See, this moment is a beautiful invitation to run after Jesus. Even in the face of the lies and your history that has said otherwise about who you are, there is a moment to cast that off and to run after the heart of Jesus, to embrace him and to be embraced. It's about seeing fully who Jesus actually is, not allowing our history and our past and the things that we have walked through and the things that people have said about us or the things that we have said about ourselves and then projected that onto God. No, no, no. This is a season where we would let Jesus speak for himself. We would allow Jesus to say, no, this is who I am. So you want to to be free. You want to experience the things of God. You want more of who he is than actually be in my presence more. Know me more. This broadcast is for the prodigal daughter. Hey, hey, love. Welcome to For the One. Today's broadcast is For the Prodigal Daughter. Yes, we are changing up the name structure a little bit, and for good reason. I don't want to say I'm excited about this message, but I think it's the message that we don't want to hear, but it's the message that we need to hear. And eventually, it becomes the message that we want to hear. (laughs) At the end, you'll know why. It's like it's the message that we we really do need in this season. So, yeah, the the word prodigal even in and of itself evokes so many feelings, so many thoughts. We obviously immediately think as in the Christian sphere of the the prodigal son. And so we go to scripture with that and sometimes us some of us even have our own personal experiences. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times when we're praying about the prodigals coming home, um, some women can feel like I'm on either side of that, where I'm either the one that needs to return home or I'm the one who's praying for someone to return home. So there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of associations with that word. And I just felt like it fit in a different way. Like I'm, I'm going to approach this, this word and this concept in a different way than maybe you've ever heard before because I definitely never thought about it like this before and I've been a Christian pretty much my entire life you know I grew up in the Catholic pews and was baby you know infant baptized so I've been around the block a couple times and I've never thought about like thought about it like this so very excited but if you are new here and you're just clicking in I am so honored that you are giving me space in your ears and in your heart to speak. And I just pray that God would just show up in such a beautiful way, in a healing way, and hopefully in a way that allows you to know that there are other women leaders who are Christians who are going through tough things. And maybe that gives you permission to be real about the tough things that you're walking through. So I am Laura. If we've never met before, it's just, it's, wonderful to meet you. You're amazing. I can already tell, right? Um, But I'm a uh, Christian speaker, Bible study author, uh, founder of Ruah and Denver Women's Ministry. I've been a wife for about, I think it's like seven and a half years. I always get that number wrong. Seven and a half years. Uh, I have a 14-month-old son, and we're just a Buffalo girl living in Cleveland, Ohio. 
with our little pug. So we have a full life, a beautiful life, and it's just, you know, full of adventure all the time. And I've been a, a leader pretty much through it all. Like I've, I've seen, you know, youth ministry, middle school ministry, women's ministry, prayer ministry, all of the ministries, right, in, in some form or fashion. And now I'm just in this cool season of getting to speak to you all and, and write my little heart out. And it's amazing. I love it so much. So today's episode for The Prodigal Daughter. Uh, we are in this series, if you've been tuning in for a while, or if you're just kind of jumping in, um, we're just going to d- jump into the deep end if you're if you're good with that. And if you need to catch up, you can go back and listen. They're all marked except for the last one, but I'm going to go uh, double check that one today. But they're all marked um, for this summer series of getting the wind back in our sails. And I just really felt like the Lord was inviting us in this season to get the breath back, you know, to get the excitement back, to find ourselves again, and to find excitement in our faith and a new expectation in our faith. Because one of the most dire losses of COVID in the last couple of years of recovering from COVID has been this exciting expectation of what God could do. And we've gotten so reduced in our expectation of him because we've just been in survival mode that we kind of, we lost that thrill of thinking that God could do more or we could hope for more or um, to see our communities changed or our nation changed. And there's even just this wave across our, our nation of this disheartenment and discouragement and this weightiness that hope can't live here. And I don't know if you've felt that. And we, we've lost the sense of what God can actually do by his power, by his spirit, what he can do. And the miraculous adventure it is to partner with him and to co-labor with him on the earth for such a time as this right now. And this whole summer has been this dedication and this journey of allowing God to just take us on this, this, I guess at times it's felt like a wild goose chase in the most beautiful ways, but it's just been the journey of, okay, Lord, how do we get the wind back in our sails? What does that journey and that path look like for our hearts? And it's taken this really interesting direction. I didn't think it would go here. I was like, we're going to start dreaming again. So we're going to talk about hopeful topics. And it's it's just going to be about like reigniting dreams and vision and passion. And we're going to like find ourselves, right? That's what was in my head. And instead, the Lord is like, no, you just need to sit down and cry and grieve because we don't want to bypass that and have that sneak up on us later on when we are dreaming and and building and creating And all of a sudden you have this unresolved pain that comes up and and smacks you like a brick in the face. We don't want that. And so for a lot of us, we think that getting the life back in our lungs and the wind in our sails is about creating a checklist of things to do, right? Like we picture, I'm just going to go to church more, or I'm going to start my devotionals and I'm going to do my devotionals every single morning and I'm going to set the scene. I'm going to get the, you know, the the mug, um, you know. It's like a huge mug. Remember, 14 month old at home. So I'm like huge mug of coffee. And we're going to set the scene. We're going to experience Jesus. Or maybe you're thinking, oh, I, I have to make sure that I'm going to every prayer meeting or 
I'm, you know, ministering to people every single day and we just, we can create these checklists where it becomes a duty instead of an enjoyment to experience the Lord. I know in our culture right now, we have this perpetuating, and it just keeps getting worse and worse, I feel, um, this this lifestyle that if you want more, you have to run harder, faster, grind more, burn the candle out on both ends, and just do more. Like you want more, then you have to do more. And so you have to sign up for the other course, and you have to sign up for that other meeting, and you have to get your kids in these sports, and you have to just start running your list even harder, and you have to fill your schedules and cram your calendar to squeeze in every ounce of transformation or healing or encounters that you possibly can. And I think especially after COVID, we have talked about this a couple times that we feel like so much time was wasted or stolen from us, and we feel like we have to recoup that time. So we're thinking, oh, well, I have to sign up for all the things, and I have to, uh, you know, I have to just cram my calendar because I have to make up for all that time that I lost, all the time and the, the money and the opportunity to experience God. Now I'm behind. And so when we think about getting the life back in our lungs, we think, well, I'm, I'm already three years behind in this, so I really need to grind to get where I should be by now. And I just want to take a minute to ask you, what does getting the wind back in your sails actually mean to you? Like if, if you were to take that vision, that image to Jesus and process it with him, like, what does that actually mean? What am I hoping for? What am I expecting? At the end of the summer, what is that, that image that would come to my mind of the life that I'm living, and I would feel fulfilled that I'm living to the full capacity of what you've called me to? I know from some women, it's just been finding myself again. Like, I want to feel more like myself. A lot of women Oh, I just, I talked to so many women who feel like in many ways who they are disappeared, who they are melted away under the pressure of COVID or melted away under um, new expectations of mothering or of being a spouse, um, showing, showing up in their community or coming back to church. Like a lot of women lost their churches in this and there was so much hurt from how, you know, they thought that church should handle, you know, all these decisions And so they lost entire communities. And with entire communities of loss, you lose identity that comes with that. And for you, maybe it's like, I just want to find myself again. I want to feel like I'm not a stranger in my own skin. And I want to feel like I know who I am. And I'm I'm not only content with that, but I feel fulfilled because I'm filling myself with the very things that that give me life. Maybe it's the tenacity and the sharpness that you're looking for. Like it's almost as if you've been going through the motions in the last couple of years. And it, it almost, it's like when you're learning how to, how to strength, strength train and it's kind of floppy. Like the word floppy comes to my mind. And I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about the motion of it, right? Where you're just like, it's not that sharp. It's, it's a little all over the place. Sorry, guys, there's a, there's a truck in the background, if you can hear that. We are in like 90-degree weather here. Remember, ladies, I got no air conditioning in this house, so all the windows are open. So you hear birds, trucks, all of it. It's just the full real-life experience, okay? So I just kind of like put that out there. 
But for some women, you you feel like that picture where it's like, I feel like I'm out of shape spiritually. I feel like I'm out of shape emotionally and and, and relationally. And it's like this off season for you. And because of that, you feel floppy in your movements. And just like when you're trying to get back into strength training and you're trying to do emotion and the muscle isn't developed, so it's not crisp. It's not a sharp movement. It's actually really straining and it's really difficult to have a clean move. And for for some women, maybe for you, it's like, I just want my sharpness back. I want to feel like when I pray that I'm there, I'm fully there and that I'm I'm spiritually on it, you know, and, and I'm not even talking about um, an extreme on the other direction of like feeling like you always have to be on, but feeling like you're present, feeling like you've had that, that intimate time with the Lord and therefore your prayers are, are sharp and, and meaningful. And so you want that tenacity back. You want maybe a clear mind or focus. Like you you feel like because your schedule has been so crammed and so much and not even by other people's responsibilities or tasks, but you, like you've been wanting to grind to get the business going or to start the ministry or to build the ministry or to just do life, you know, like your your regular routines of all of the things that are on your plate. And because of that, you just kind of feel foggy you know, it's like, where, where am I? You know, at the end of the day, you're like, who who am I? (laughs) What clothes am I wearing? What day of the week is it? And you feel like you're just in that fog all the time. And all you want back is a clarity of, of all of those things and to feel present in where you're at. And you'd be focused to say, okay, like, this is what I'm called to. This is what I'm doing. This is who I am. This is this is how much I have left to give in my tank. And there just be this mindful presentness. But maybe at the end of it, like you are just hungry for more of God. And you are so excited to have that that eagerness and that excitement back, that anticipation. You know, the, the expectant hope of what God and the Holy Spirit could do in your life. And you are praying to experience him on a level that you never have before. Like you want to experience the gifts of the Spirit. You do want to teach or preach in a way that maybe you've never had the opportunity to. Or you want to minister to people and evangelize in a way that is so bold that you, you haven't been able to do it in past seasons. Maybe... Instead of feeling this stag- stagnation and this depletion, you would actually feel energized by what's happening within you and around you. And you would feel fulfilled in the work that you are doing. To getting the wind back in our sails is in part, it's about seeing the tangible glory of God and the power of Jesus Christ working in us and around us. It's about seeing people coming to Christ and seeing our families changing and ourselves healing. We would see the the gifts of the Spirit being used and refined in our lives and in those that we love in their lives. We would see spiritual activity and kingdom work getting kicked up around us and miracles and signs and wonders. And we would see God's glory literally electrifying communities and our families. 
And all of these things, all of these hopes about the wind in our sails are beautiful things, holy things, scriptural things, biblical things. But there's one piece that's missing first. See, God is a God of order, not chaos. He is one of perfect alignment and perfect processes. And he would never, ever want us to have these beautiful gifts without knowing the gift giver. He wouldn't want us to experience the freedom and the liberation of all these things without knowing first the rescuer, coming in close to see his heart and to experience his heart. And so the invitation as I've been praying about it and as I've been processing my own journey of getting the wind back in my sails is that first and foremost, it's about allowing the Spirit of God to invite, invade our lives to the deepest layers of who we are. Allowing Him to invade our emotions and our past, our history, our current feelings, our beliefs. It's not about cramming more in the schedule and already feeling exhausted by the day before we even get up. It's about slowing down. It's about pausing in the chaos, having this beautiful Selah pause and reflect moment where we would silence the mixed messages of what we're receiving from culture and maybe our families and our workplaces, that we would place our high expectations or others' high expectations just right before the Lord and surrender them. And all of that to simply behold Jesus. To simply look upon him and feel fulfilled. It's interesting because every time I think about asking the Lord for more in my history, when I've clearly asked him, okay, Lord, like I want more of you. I want more of what you have. Or I want to step even further into my calling or just a lot of that in the spiritual, my spiritual walk with him. And almost every single time, as soon as I pray that, he tells me, you have to slow down and you have to shed a lot of stuff. Every single time. And in my world, often I think, well, more equals more. I have to do more, be more, think more, pray more read more. And the Lord is like, no, just do less. Do a lot less. And in the less, you'll find more. And it's just so interesting because as Christians, we talk so much about kingdom activity and we talk about the beautiful display of God's glory around us. And we, every week, are are boasting on God for bringing people to Christ you know, that people are getting saved and so many people are coming to these events and we're seeing this work in our community and we, we hear these stories, right, of transformation. But I think often in the hustle and the bustle of even the beautiful kingdom work, we forget to simply behold Jesus. And I think it's not because we don't value it, but it's because we don't know how to value it. 
we don't actually know how that relates to us because we have so many mixed messages about who God is and and who he's been in our life and how he's either like what we believe, like our parents or like our family members or not like them. And so we struggle to just behold him for who he is. And if we're talking about this pivotal moment, right? Like this, I feel like this is like a hinge conversation. Last week in the um, in the episode for the one believing she's broken, we talked about that sideline conversation, right? Of like, hey, let's have like a heart to heart. Like I'm just going to look you in the eyes and we're going to have a minute, right? Where I'm just going to like really encourage you. And I'm an athlete lady. So I'm like, let's go. That was the conversation. This is the conversation of this hinge piece. Like if we don't have this, nothing else matters, If we don't have this conversation, I don't think that we're going to get the win in our sails because Jesus is everything, everything. And if we actually took time to process where we're at in relation to him, I think that we would have more growth than we've ever had. We would feel more energized than we've ever felt. We would feel more clear than we've had in a long time. And if we are looking for all of these things to find ourselves, to have a tenacity and a sharpness, to have a a focused mind and a clear mind, to be excited about what God is doing, all of those things are just found in the person of Jesus because in him we find our image. In him we find clarity about who we are and what we're doing. In him we find excitement because we know that he is the one that's actually doing the work. If we want these exciting, beautiful testimonies of who God is and what he's doing, we first have to pursue him. Not the gift, not the activity, but him. And I want to share three different stories that help us to do that because you're probably like, okay, that sounds great. And like, I love Jesus. I I couldn't love him anymore. You know, like we all say, like, I love Jesus. We're all thinking that. But how do we actually do that? And what does that actually mean for us? So, this is where I go into the, the prodigal daughter piece. And when you think about, well, I'll start here. Okay, so the first story is my real life story. We're going to like give you a little update of where I'm at. And then I'm going to talk about the prodigal son and then another fun story from like a year and a half ago. Okay, so that's where we're going. If all the note takers out there are like, where are we going, Laura? I want to know what stories are we talking about? So the real life. Okay, so if you haven't been tuning in and this is you're just getting caught up in the story, you can go listen and I'll I give you full context for all the stuff that's happened. But to break it down, it's been a crazy crazy season where everything big that could happen has happened, moving, people having babies, um team transitions at Rua and Ember, we're trying to, you know, find a house, we have a bait. I mean, it's just like everything, right? A lot of big emotions and a lot of big ways that I needed to show up for all of those specific needs. And so coming into 4th of July, I had a panic attack because I was so overwhelmed by everything. Can I just get an amen of just that moment of like, I can't do this. And I talk about that in the episode of um, For the One About to Be Unleashed. And so I've just been having this like really heavy heart lately. And there's been a lot of anxiety, a lot of grief, a lot of transition. And it was interesting because I met up with a new friend at our church. And um, we just ended up having this incredible inner healing session. He does inner healing, which we weren't expecting it. You're just like in a park. And life with Laura is that you're just going to have an inner healing session at the park 
just chilling out with everybody, you know, like that's just, that's just how Jesus works with me. So it's really funny, but we're just sitting there and we all of a sudden go into this, this moment of, of healing. And it was specifically um, in this core memory. And maybe one day I'll talk to you about it, but, but not right now. And so we had this core memory that I felt in the memory that I, my pain didn't matter, that my needs didn't matter and that I should essentially just shove them down because they, they didn't have a voice. And I thought that that's how God was for me. And even though I love God and I love Jesus and I want to be with him and I want to serve him for all of my days and I would sacrifice anything for the sake of obedience and to just to love him, there was still that belief I had that my feelings don't matter to him. That he doesn't see my pain and he doesn't see the injustice, um, you know, done to me. Or he doesn't see how people hurt me or, and, and, and therefore I don't really matter. Like my feelings aren't valid. They're, they're not important in this. And so Lori, you should just shove it down deeper. Don't let anyone see it, especially don't actually bring it up to them and just be tougher, just be really tough. And that was what I believed about about God and I started seeing how it was weaving into all of my relationships like all of like friendship and family and and ministry experiences and there were just these repeating patterns of feeling like okay something would happen where I was clearly wronged or I was clearly um yeah just hurt and and they were the other person was in the wrong and I felt like well Laura your pain doesn't matter in this so so don't talk to them about it um and God certainly doesn't care. So just shove it down a little deeper and move on. Just be tougher next time and um, just pretend like it doesn't matter to you. And it was just a, a huge core belief, uh, not only about myself, but of God. And so we have this beautiful moment of transition. And I feel like Jesus feels so much lighter to me. Like he actually cares and he sees and he redeems this moment. And it's it's beautiful. Like I feel lighter. Sorry, ambulance. You can hear that. It's beautiful. Um, and so we had that moment that was on a Wednesday and then fast forward to Sunday and we're in worship and, um, we're in the, the corner, the back corner of the, the room. And I felt like the Lord said, like, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. And it was really cool because I had never thought about taking off my shoes in this way, but I felt like the Lord was saying, it was like a connection to the scripture when he tells the disciples, shake the dust off your shoes. Like if people don't receive you, you shake the dust. And I felt like when he was saying, take off your shoes, it's holy ground. It was a symbolic moment of like, take off where you've been. Like you can pick it up when you leave. We'll talk about it. But for this moment, there is a purity of, of not having the dust, if you will, from everyone else and everything that you've walked through somehow distort or lessen this moment just take it off let's just be you and i in this moment so he says take off your shoes this is holy ground so i take off my shoes thank goodness i didn't wear strap-on shoes that day because yes it would have been such a complex situation so i just quickly took off my shoes and as i'm um, i'm on my knees and i'm just crying to the lord and having this moment and all of a sudden i'm in this same memory and I, there's this big like road in front of me and I see Jesus in front of me 
And I, like, I don't even know what it was, but I just started sprinting toward him, like running at like the quickest pace possible. And I'm not a runner, ladies. So like, (laughs) you know, like get me on a bike, I'm good, but not a runner. So it's just really funny that I'm just like running as fast as I possibly can to get to him. And then it was just like this beautiful moment, this embrace. And it was honestly the first moment I can, I can just be completely honest about that. It was the first moment when I didn't feel an ounce, an ounce of judgment or shame or that feeling like my feelings don't matter or I need to um, expect that you're going to like hurt, hurt me after this and I'm going to find out that I'm really not okay or that I did something wrong in this. It was this beautiful feeling of I don't need to hide actually. I can, I can just come to you and like you see exactly how I am. And I can't even put into words how light I felt to just have the fullness of Jesus and to be so on fire for him and so trusting that he wasn't judging me and that he was there to just fully embrace me that I, I could just run right after him. Like there was just this reinstated trust that I had for him. And I wasn't half-hearting it anymore. I feel like there were times when I knew I had to go to Jesus about things or I had to heal from certain memories or or certain just hardships and pains. And I would go to him, but I, but I also was like half-hearted. And I'm like, oh, but I'm still going to like hold on to it and, you know, just like hold it by my heart a little bit. I'm just going to keep it guarded. And this is not that moment. And I just started like weeping and immediately what came to my mind was the prodigal son. And if you look in Luke 15, that's where you find this story. And it starts off in verse 11, and it just sets the scene, right? Jesus continued. He's talking about all these parables um, to the disciples. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And it goes on to explain how bad the situation got, that there was a famine and in the whole country, and he had to hire himself out to feed pigs, and um, he, just, he was eating the things that the pigs were eating. And finally, we have this moment when it says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And I just thought about this picture of this prodigal son, this prodigal daughter, right, if you will. And that distinct moment when the son has to run or he has to walk to his father. 
and it's a walk of shame. He knows all the decisions that he made. He knows how he squandered his life and he gave everything up, lost everything that his father had worked for. And there is this clear walk of shame of, I'm just going to be one of your servants. And in that, that'll just get me by. I can just survive. And you can imagine the weight of that walk. Every step feeling like a disgrace. Every step feeling like you have failed. Every step feeling like, well, I'm just going to get a whipping for this because I really messed up. But if you look at the word prodigal, a lot of the definitions are negative and it specifically describes this person who is um, wasteful or recklessly extravagant, right? That they're so lavishly generous that it's actually squandering what they have, that they're wasteful of what they have. But I found another definition, which was much more redeeming. And it was the returning home of someone who had previously left. If we're talking about getting the wind back in our sails, it's time we return home. And I just started thinking about these definitions and how you know, we've talked in the episodes prior to this of this overliving that we've been doing and how we've been overfunctioning and uh, overcommitting, overextending. And we've been living kind of like the prodigal daughter that we've just been like reckless about our, our lives. And I'm not saying that we're necessarily going out and having like one night stands and drinking and going to these, these sinful extremes. But I just think about the definition of just being recklessly extravagant, just being wasteful of of their possessions, of their wealth, of their time. And I started connecting to this idea that what if I've just taken the inheritance that Jesus has given me? And by inheritance, it's the gift of time and the gift of my skills, and the gift of the relationships in my life. Um, The gift of creativity and the the gift of having influence in certain people's lives, including my child and my husband. And what if in all of my overdoing it, and my overworking, and my overextension, that I actually was just being wasteful with the things that he was calling me to. And it really sobers you up a little bit to think, Jesus, what have you given me that I need to take care of? And you think about the other definition that we would become the prodigal daughters who actually return home. And maybe there are seasons that we have been just disobedient. Maybe it's just been a, a, um, a, a sin of omission that we didn't even realize that we weren't doing the things that God was calling us to or the sin of commission where we were doing things that we shouldn't be, be doing. Whether it was sinful or just, yeah, you shouldn't be involved in so many things. <laughs> like It's just, as we call it around here, it's like a break check, you know? And I think about that returning home of the sobering moment to think, 
okay, maybe I was lost. Maybe I was a little lost. But now I'm, now I'm found. I'm going back home. The last story that I was thinking about, which is a little more lighthearted, you know, um, is <laughs> this funny story. So I think it was probably a year and a half, almost two years ago at this point. Uh, Josh and I decided, Josh is my husband, so we decided to go to a Cedar Point Hollow Weekends. And we are not Halloween people. Um, you know, I know every Christian person is like, oh my goodness, Hollow Weekends. Girl, we did not go for the scary things, okay? Let me just say that. I am a scaredy cat, okay? So we did not go for the scary things. We just wanted to go at that time because A, we didn't have time during the summer, and B, all the kids are back in school. So we were like, we get all the roller coasters to ourselves. Can I get an amen? So we go to the hollow weekends, and I told Josh, I was like, I get really scared with this stuff. I can't handle it. I can't do it. So you really need to, like, we need to figure this out. Like, where are the scary places? And and I was so nervous, ladies. Like, I, I I was really nervous. And I literally wore, um, like a, a jean jacket so that I could like cover myself, you know, like use clothing to like cover against the scary people. I don't know. It's just a weird thing, right? We think it's working. So we get into, um, into the park and it's all lit up, you know, it's daytime. So, cause it's actually in the evening. So they start at six and then they end at like midnight or 2am or something like that. So it was still light out and I was like, okay, we're good. And we found out that the scary part, if you will, in quotes is in the back of the park. So if you, can can get out and avoid that area when it gets dark, you'll be good. The rest of the area is just made for kids, right? And they have these little boo necklaces that have a lit up pumpkin that you can buy so people don't scare you and totally thought about buying one if I'm being completely honest. So we, t- we talked about our game plan and we're like, we're going to go in the back in the park first where some of the big roller coasters are. And we'll do that when it's light out so that we can have, we can scoot out of there before the sun goes down and all these crazy people come out. So we're walking through and I like see all of the, oh my gosh, ladies, like the cages and the scary paraphernalia and all that, like the scene is set for some scaring to happen. And I am feeling it. Like I'm ready to pee my pants, honestly. Like I'm freaking out. So, and Josh keeps looking at me. He's like, there's no one scary here. I'm like, yeah, but what if like they're practicing? Like, come on. So we finally get to the back of the park. We get to, I think he was like Maverick or something in the back of the, in the far back. And of course, of course, we're in line and someone legit throws up on the roller coaster. I'm like, of course, this only happens for me. So it took them over an hour to clean it and the sun sets pretty fast. So as we're getting closer to like the line is actually starting to move and we're starting to you know get closer to getting on the ride and I can hear, I can start hearing the music, I can start hearing the screams. I can, you know, you just had that sense of like, oh yeah, it just, it just shifted around here. So I was freaking out. So we just have this, yeah, we get on the ride, we get Chick-fil-A, we're trying to make our way through, but the only way through is actually through these really scary areas where they have these scenes set up and there's a whole like company of scarers in their costumes. So at that point, Josh realized that he doesn't know how to get him, you know, he doesn't know how to get back. And I'm like, you know, I'm not like looking for an exit around here. Like I'm not making eye contact with these people. Sorry, another ambulance. So we're trying to find our way through. There are these people that are actually coming up and they have those 
um, like shovel things on their knees so they can like come over and like slide on their knees to scare you. It's like stuff like that. Just, I can't, I can't do it. Oh my gosh. So finally find the directions to get back and I'm walking in this, in this um, road and every scary person is trying to come up to me and and scare me, and, and including um, this one guy that apparently was like walking like right behind me and trying to like get really close to me. And so I'm I'm showing visible signs that I'm scared. Like I'm literally like latched onto Josh's arm. I can't. I'm so terrified. And Josh looks at me and he says, "You realize that if you show you're scared, they're going to just come after you more." And in that moment, it like dawned on me that I just had to be really tough and look straight ahead. So I, I literally look beyond the horizon and lock eyes with nothingness, like just look straight ahead. And I can see in my periphery all these faces and these masks and these people from high and from low, from behind me, around me, I see it. I see these faces that are trying to distract me and scare me and intimidate me, try to make me go backwards or try to avoid, you know, bumping into them. I can feel it, but I am so, I have this face on of like, do not touch me. I am immovable. I am getting out of this mess. And people stopped coming near me. And I, th- I think about that. It's, it's funny. It's a ridiculous story, especially when we relate it to like the prodigal picture. But I started thinking about that, the onslaught of faces coming at me when I'm trying to just go ahead. I'm trying to move forward and I'm trying to go where I need to go and where I want to go and where rescue is and safety is and where, <laughs> where light is, right? I want to go there, but I, I need to distract to cut out all these distractions that are trying to intimidate me and still fear in me, make me cower and make me sh- shrink back. And I feel like that's the exact picture that I was having for this prodigal moment. Because this son is literally on the road to go back home. He's on the road and he can see his father. He can see where he belongs, where there is safety, where there is restoration, where there is hope, where there is home. And yet all of these things in his mind are like those nasty little, those little creatures, right, coming at me. And it's like every fear and every um, voice of shame, everything that says you made a mistake, you squandered it, you left it, you just took your inheritance and ran and gave it away. And now even who even knows where it is? You made all these mistakes. You were literally eating what the pigs eat. Who makes you worthy of coming back home? And I just thought about all the voices and all the lies and all the wrong beliefs that try to come in and steal our attention so that we can't actually make it back home. We can't actually make it into Jesus' Jesus's embrace. Full circle, for years, I felt like Jesus thought that my pain, my pain didn't matter, that my voice didn't matter, and it held me back from running into his arms. It was like every time I would look his direction to run after him, I would see that face pop up of your pain doesn't matter. He's mad at you anyway. You're not right in this. You're wrong. So just 
embrace fear and walk away. But ladies, if we're going to be women that are tenacious, if we're going to be women that encounter the Spirit of God and bring the Spirit of God, like that holy land, um, that holy ground moment, then we have to cast off and diminish all of these voices and distractions that are actually lies and run after Jesus to behold him and to be held by him. This is a season of beholding and being held. See, this moment is a beautiful invitation to run after Jesus. Even in the face of the lies and your history that has said otherwise about who you are, there is a moment to cast that off and to run after the heart of Jesus to embrace him and to be embraced. It's about seeing fully who Jesus actually is, not allowing our history and our past and the things that we have walked through and the things that people have said about us or the things that we have said about ourselves and then projected that onto God. No, no, no. This is a season where we would let Jesus speak for himself. We would allow Jesus to say, no, this is who I am. So you want to to be free. You want to experience the things of God. You want more of who he is than actually be in my presence more. Know me more. Take off another lie, another hindrance that holds us back. It's almost as if there is this invitation to burn from the inside out. And by that I mean, you know, at the beginning of the year, I felt like the Lord said, this is a year of embers. And I think sometimes we believe that we have to muster up the fire. And we have to throw a lot more under the fire in order to get it going, that we have to force it to happen. And that's when we'll get the wind back. That's when we'll, we'll find motion. That's when we'll finally you know, start feeling like ourselves again. It's just by adding more fuel on the fire, right? But I felt like what the Lord was saying is that it's like a, an old train. And in the oldest of trains, they were actually wood-burning stoves. And so the more that you fuel the fire, the faster you would go. And I feel like there's this this changing of perspective in our hearts in this season, that it's not about the external fires. It's not about doing more. It's not about trying to perform our way to find ourselves. It's actually about getting our hearts so ignited, so set on fire for Jesus that it would fuel us to go faster, to run harder, to, to run more quickly, to be more agile, to be more focused. All of those things are going to come when we are set on fire for Jesus, when our, our hearts can't contain how much we love him, when we can't even, uh, we, uh, more time is not even enough to be with him or to experience him. We feel like even the moments that we have, if they're short and sweet, they're p- 
they're powerful and they're real and they're moving of our souls to the deepest levels of who we are. If we're going to find the wind in our sails again, if we're going to experience the glory of God and the tangible power of Jesus Christ and we see healing and our families changing and the electrified communities, we have to first fall in love to return to our first love and behold him. And that means that we have to silence these other voices and these other faces of shame and fear and guilt and doubt and rejection and abandonment and you are not enough and insecurity. We have to work through them to get rid of them, to heal them so that we can behold him as he is, as he truly is. That is the closeness that we long for. That is the fulfillment that we seek. That is the contentment that our heart is aching for. Events come and go and services on Sunday come and go. The moments that we have are these deeply impactful moments with our Savior. When we know him, he even says, but did I know you in scripture? And I don't know about you, but I want to know Jesus, to be so close to him that I would know his heart for me as it actually is, not as how I've believed it to be because some lie told me so. And so I want to pray for you because you are the prodigal daughter You are coming back home. And even if you have been lost in this previous season, lavishly giving away your time and your resources and your bandwidth and your skills, there is a redemption because when you are lost, you are no longer lost. You are now found. You are now found in Jesus. So if you want to take a deep breath, Lord, I thank you so much for this woman. I thank you that she is I don't know, I just feel like the word ashamed is coming to my mind. Like you are ashamed that you aren't where you felt like you should be. You're ashamed that you made the decisions that you did or that Things were out of order. You're ashamed that you're even at this point of needing to get the wind back in your sails because you think, well, I should just be able to do it. I know, I know the process, so I should just be able to do it. And there's a very real weight that you're carrying, feeling like I should just know better. And yet I can't muster up any more strength to make it happen. And Lord, we just cast off this lie and we just ask you, Jesus, to minister to her heart in that area. Being a prodigal, it feels so weighty. It feels so shameful. It feels like the outcast, the one who everyone looks upon and has a look, the look, But Lord, we know that as a father, you look upon us with love. And you are just glad that she's home. 
You are glad that, yes, she was once lost for a moment. Broken for a moment. Alone for a moment. And now she is found. And Jesus, I just ask you to redeem that path home. If you can think about that road where you see Jesus up ahead. And it's like merging of all these things, right? Like you see Jesus ahead, you're the prodigal daughter coming home, and you see this onslaught of faces of lies and fears and past mistakes trying to come at you and spook you to instill fear, intimidation, to make you drop back and go backwards. And I just want you to literally imagine, like, what is Jesus doing to those faces? Like, what is he, how is he dealing with them? How is he clearing the path? I just want to ask, like, what are you doing in this situation? Where are you in this? Are you running towards him? Are you looking at one of the lies? I just want you to ask Jesus, just how do I get to you? I want you to just imagine yourself coming to Jesus, whether you're walking, running, crawling, being pulled unwillingly. And I just want you to ask him, how do I redeem this? Like, how do I just run after you because I trust you and love you that much? It's not about me doing, it's not a performance of, yes, I run that fast, but it's just out of this overflow of your heart, like that train that has like this healthy fire inside of it where it's just, it is running on all cylinders, just charging hard and running freely. How do I run free after you, Jesus? What do I need to let go of? Jesus, we thank you for these moments that We can behold you. And I just ask Jesus that you would show us your glory, that you would show us the fullness of of who you are in our hearts and that we would just be overcome by love for you. We'd be overcome by your presence and by your peace and um, just everything that you bring that is comfort to our hearts. Lord, we thank you that you you are the comforter. You are the healer. You are the one who sets our hearts on fire. We pray, Lord, that you would Make yourself so known to us and so real to us. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to open our ears, to open our eyes, to soften our hearts, to just encounter you. We thank you, Lord, that this is the beginning of finding ourselves. We don't find ourselves until we find you. We don't find clarity until we catch a vision that's in your heart. We don't find tenacity until we are connected to the most courageous Savior. We find all of those things, mysteries and miracles, power and authority, and the one who authored all of that. And that is you. We love you, Jesus. We pray all of these things in your mighty name. Amen.
So that was for the prodigal daughter. If this blessed you, if this is where you're at and it's what you needed to hear, I would love to hear about it. You can send me a a message. You can rate, review, subscribe, all those wonderful things. And of course, do not forget, we have a wonderful giveaway happening. So we're going to choose three winners in September and you get entered to win every time you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or you share on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. We could say Twitter too, you know, don't forget Twitter. Um, And so if you Uh, tag us on any social media platform or leave a review on apple Podcasts. you get entered to win and you can just keep entering as many as you want to and we have a little beautiful encouragement package um, that we're going to give away three of them so we'll have a book when i have written a custom necklace custom keychain and a little note from yours truly so love you all make sure you yeah rate review subscribe i love you i am so grateful to spend time with you and i pray that this blessed you because girl it is time for you to come home